Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, This morning we looked at the first part of this parable. And to begin, we will go ahead and read those nine verses again together in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 1 through 9. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. Great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for allowing us again to come into your house. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the word of God. I thank you for the service we had this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the willingness, Lord, of those who were here, uh, God, to receive the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, for how that you've spoken to my heart today. I pray if you would, Lord, help us, God, to be those that you spoke of here in verse 9 with ears to hear. Let us to hear it, God. Help us to hear it, rather, and, and let us respond accurately to the Scripture Help me to deliver this thought clearly, Lord, in the, in, in the proper manner, Lord, and with your Spirit. And we, we know, God, we can't do anything without your Spirit. We need you to help us to understand, Lord, and help us, Lord, to, to be molded after you. God, we need you. We are willing vessels. I, I, I'm a willing vessel tonight, and I pray that we are all willing, God, to be made and molded into your image. We love you. We need you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this parable of the sower... Uh, again, as I mentioned this morning, just real quickly, just to remind you of the three parts you have, the sower, you have the seed, and you have the soil. We talked this morning how that the sower is the same in every instance in the parable, that it's only one person mentioned, and we're not given any indication of it being another sower, and that the seed never changes, amen, that that is a constant in the parable, and we know that the sower in this instance, Jesus is the sower of good seed, and that we are sowing his good seed, the seed, which is, according to the, uh, according to the expounding upon this parable by the Lord Jesus, the seed is the word of God. Amen. So we know that if this seed is the word of God and we're going forth with that word, that we are commanded in the scriptures to go forth specifically and to preach the gospel unto every creature. And so that it is our job to go forward 
and to sow the gospel in a land where the harvest is ready. I mean, there, there are plenty out there to be harvested for God, right? There are plenty out there for us to go and to sow the seed of the truth of the Word of God and then to pray and ask the Lord to give that seed the increase. Amen. Uh, we referenced that passage, that verse from Corinthians where Paul said that he had, he had planted and Apollos had watered. And I, I meant to mention something about that this morning, didn't It's not really a part of this parable. But you say, well, I, I've sown the seed, I've done my part. Yes, but sometimes it's good to water that seed. You ever had someone that you've witnessed to for years and years and years, and you see them and you've already given them the gospel, or you've already talked to them, you've already tried again and again, and they're always resistant, but you just say to them, hey, love to see you at church. It's just putting a little more water on that seed. Hey, just want you to know Jesus loves you. We're praying for you. Putting a little more water on that seed. And it's, it's just making sure that it's getting at least a little bit here and there to make sure it's still there and that they still know that you care. Amen. And that's a good thing to do because we are sowers. Amen. We as Christians are to be sowers of the seed. And we looked at the first one there, that seed that fell by the wayside and how that, that wayside was hard ground that could not receive the seed because it had been trodden upon and it wasn't meant to be there at all. Uh, and we looked at that and how that, that hard ground, uh, that the seed was stolen away by the wicked one and that it was trodden down by others. And we saw the, the danger in that. And we talked about that. And now we're going to look tonight at the second instance, if you will, the second circumstance that we are given in this passage, which we just read there in verses 5 and 6, and we'll focus on that again, and then we'll pick up the other references in the book of Mark and the book of Luke as well. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 5 says, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And in the book of Mark, in chapter number 4, let me see here, chapter 4, verse number 5, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. Our pages stuck together. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, we have the same passage here. Some fell upon, here's, here's a little bit of a different word. You'll find that Luke's rendition of this tends to have some, some additional things to it or some slight changes that work together. And it's not a contradiction, it is building upon the same thing. And I'm going to show you that here because it, some, some would say, well, this is different. Because here it says, some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Luke actually helps us to understand Mark and Matthew better in the way that he describes it, and we'll discuss that here as we look down through it. First, let me tell you about the parable itself. What exactly is it? What is the image that the Lord is trying to convey to help them understand? We told you this morning, the Lord is speaking to people who have sown, and they've sown in that area. So they're familiar with the ground there in that Palestinian area, in that, in that place where they were, which can I tell you is very different from the way things are here. Okay, the soil here is very different from the soil in New Mexico, and it's very different uh, further north as you go and the further south that you go. And there are things that thrive the further south that would die in the north, and vice versa. It's just where you are depends on how things go 
And the place where they were, if you, if you study the area, it is a very rocky place. There's a lot of stone. And not just, you know, like you'll, you'll till up a garden or you'll plow and you'll find big rocks. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about places that are literally very little soil on top of layers of stone. And if you look here in this passage, here's the way that it's described. It's described that there is a seed dropped into soil. And it's, it does not imply that the soil is hard and not broken up. What's implied is that it is very shallow. Look at it. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. They don't have much room to grow. You see that? And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. It's a stony place without deepness of earth. And so the image is not a bunch of rocks all mixed up into dirt. The image is a shallow layer of soil on top of a thick layer of stone. So there is no room to take root, you understand? Uh, so these seeds fell on the ground that was, it was rocky in the sense that it was a layer of stone underneath the soil. That is why in Luke he said some fell upon a rock. And literally, this, in order for this seed to grow, it's going to have to grow through the rock, which means it's not going to grow. Now, we know that trees and plants and, and nature is miraculous and powerful, and sometimes it can crack rocks, but you drop a little seed on there, that's not a great and powerful and strong little thing. That's something that's just trying to get new life. And here it falls on that ground, and before it can ever take root, the elements are going to kill it. Okay? The land that the farmers there were dealing with in this area, it was common to find that sort of shallow soil with a shallow layer of soil over top of a thick layer of rock. Much of the land in that area was like that, which made it difficult to plant crops sometimes. They had to find the right places and all of that. And you also have to understand they had limited tools, and so these people were familiar with these kind of situations. They're all going, oh yeah, I've seen that. You thought it was a good spot, and then you plant something, and next thing you know it's all dead, and you go to look, and oh well, we hit rock. There wasn't enough ground here. It wasn't, it wasn't fit for a crop. Because here's what you got to understand... Uh, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, we're just talking about the parable, the actual physical comparison. In order for those roots to be thriving, they have to get moisture. And moisture comes from beneath the soil. And if there is a rock between the dirt they're in and the moisture they need, they're not getting the moisture that they need. It's not going to go through that rock. You say, well, there's enough ground here, we should be fine. But what they don't know is two or three feet down, there's rock. And so when it's dry outside, they're not getting that moisture they need. Irrigation's difficult. Something just can't survive in that sort of an environment. So that is the idea the Lord's trying to convey in this parable. It is of a, a, a seed that, here's what it says. It says, it immediately, forthwith, quickly, they spring up. Mark said, immediately, it sprang up. So the implication is that almost as soon as that seed got in the dirt, boom, you've got something growing. Wow, look at that. We've got something growing here. And it's like, well, it was so fast and quick, and it was, it was immediate. But then, because they had no deepness of root, no deepness of earth, when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. So that's the image we're given. Luke actually even specifically says it withered away because it lacked moisture. So that's the parable. So the sun would burn up these seeds before they could ever begin a life in the soil. There was no substance to these seeds. 
it was a superficial life, not a substantial one. It was never going to last. It was never going to bring forth fruit. And as we look at these, you'll find something. The true line of demarcation, the thing that makes the difference between a living seed, something that grows and has true life, and something that has a similitude of life, is one grows fruit and none of the others do. The seed that fell by the wayside never bore fruit. The seed that's in the stony ground, it never bears fruit. The next one, the seed that grows in the thorny ground, it never bears fruit. Only one seed bears fruit, and that is the difference between life and superficial life. Okay, let's look at the purpose of the parable. And we're only going to look at this one tonight. I want you to, to hear, and you can follow along with me up here on the screen, Matthew 13, 20 and 21. If you've got, if you've got your Bible open, that's great. I'm going to turn to a couple places too. Verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Hmm. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse, uh, let me see, verse number 16. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now, look at what's going on. In both of these cases, we're told that the person, because we're talking about people who've received the seed, they've received the word of God, and they both received it happily. In Matthew said he received the stone, he heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Mark said, uh, he said, they... they when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Have no root in themselves. Have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Jesus used the word offended. It wasn't me, just so you know. Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. They on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy. See that? Joy, gladness, joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. So these people, these individuals, who receive the seed on stony ground, don't last. Okay? Okay? And I just told you the true uh, difference between a, a true conversion, an actual complete conversion, and a counterfeit conversion is the bearing of fruit. In this passage, the sign of life, Jesus tells us, and I don't know if I've got the verse in here today. I think I was going to wait and deal with it later, but obviously I'm getting ahead of myself. But the Lord tells us, you know, we're known by the fruit we bear. In Matthew chapter 7, I believe it is. He says it quite plainly. Note, we are known by the fruit we bear. That is a sign of true life. The wheat and the tares, one brings forth wheat and it's good, and the other, it looks just like wheat, but it's not wheat. It's counterfeit. You understand? In the same passage where the Lord talks about us knowing, knowing them by the fruit they bear, He talks about wolves and sheep's clothing. The implication is very plainly this, that there are people who look like things are going real good. 
In fact, I would submit to you that these people on stony ground are very enthusiastic. Would you agree? Anon with joy, with gladness. The moment they hurt, man, they were excited about it. They are showing signs of life, right? Gladness and joy and joy. And they're excited, and we see that. Well, let, me, let me focus in here on the soil first. We're talking about now the purpose of this parable. What is the Lord trying to convey about these people? Well, we see the soil. there. He calls it stony places, stony ground, on the rock. The sower and the seed here are the same as before, like we said earlier. The only thing that's changed is the circumstance. It's the soil that it's in. We've gone from the wayside, that hard, rough ground that's not meant for seed, to something that looks like it could be, but it's really not ready for seed. Amen? And here we are. We see it, this soil. It's, it's shallow dirt, and they're on the rock. And what we're dealing with is a soil that's not prepared to receive the gospel fully, but is willing to do so now. They want the gospel. They're ready. They're, they like it. They like what they're hearing. Amen? I like the way y'all do things over here. And I'm excited about this. And they become overzealous. And anon with joy they receive the word. And that word anon means shortly, quickly, or in other words, too soon. Amen? So are you saying they got saved too soon? Well, here's what I will tell you. The Bible teaches us very plainly that no man can come unto the Lord Jesus except the Father which hath sent him, draw him. That's what the Lord said. No man can come unto me, in John 6, except the Father which hath sent me, draw him. So let's keep that in mind and understand that when Paul said, I planted and Apollos is watered and God gives the increase, we understand that sometimes somebody's not quite ready. Amen? And sometimes we get so excited about the idea of a conversion that we will push them through it. You know what I mean? Won't we? I mean, have you ever seen a young child come up and they're, they're questioning about salvation and they, they're, they're very excited about salvation and they make a, a profession of faith, but then a couple years later down the road you find out they didn't really understand. And, and, and what happens then is, well, they, then they come back and they're, they're doubting, and then they end up finally getting saved. And we see that a lot in children, because children are still just trying to get an understanding. You know what I mean? And as parents, it's hard to figure out what to do, isn't it? I don't want to push them, but I want them to be saved. You know, amen. If they're questioning, if they're lost, I want them to get saved. But here's the truth, that God draws us. When I got saved, I can tell you, with, with, no, with, with absolutely no doubt, that it was not because mom and dad wanted me to get saved. I, I went and got saved because I thought if I didn't, I was going to go to hell. Amen. I, I knew that. I knew that was true. And the Lord drew me. And sometimes a soil is just not quite there. You understand? And it looks good and it sounds good, but sometimes we can be a little too overzealous and we might just make a mistake. And here's the sad part about that. We want to, some, I've seen people, sometimes we won't even tell people they're saved. You ever, you ever been in a situation where you're trying to talk to somebody about salvation and they're just confused? And in your mind, you're thinking, it's so simple. Just, you've prayed, you've asked, you put your faith, you repented, just believe it. And you almost want to say, you're saved. But you can't do that. You can't do that, right? You can't tell someone else they're saved. I'm the only one who knows if I'm saved, me and the Lord. I might have all y'all fooled, amen. It's, it's me and God. And this soil, it, it, it looks right. And you would almost think if you didn't really know what was going on, you'd think, well, that right there, look at that seed. we got signs of life. Everything is good. 
But then I want to show you not just the soil, but I want you to really focus. This is really kind of what I want to point out tonight is the sunlight. Because the sunlight, when you read this the first time, when we first read this parable, it would almost seem like the sunlight is bad. Wouldn't it? The sun scorches it and it withers. Well, that doesn't sound good. Here's the thing about sunlight. It is a vital resource for growing seeds. A seed cannot grow, in this instance, without sunlight. We all know, the pro- well, we know at least by name the process of photosynthesis, that that plant takes the sun's rays, if you will, and converts it into the energy that it needs. It turns that sunlight into glucose, essentially. It produces the food, that, what it needs to live and to survive. It takes that sunlight, and with that sun, it grows. You ever seen a tree or a, or a plant that is in a shaded place and it will grow toward sunlight? You ever seen that? That's because in order for something to grow, it has to have sunlight, period. So sunlight's not bad, right? It needs it. The problem isn't that the sun is there. The sun is meant to be good for it. It's necessary food. In this case, however, the sun is scorching the seed. The sun is killing the seed. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be feeding it. Why is the sun killing the seed? Luke tells us very simply, because it has no moisture. That stone is there, and it says it has no root in itself. It had no root in itself. What you had is what looked like life, but underneath the surface, there was nothing going on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Isn't Jesus smart? Underneath the surface of the dirt, there is no taking root. There is just enough of something going on to present the look of life. A sprig that come up quick. But as soon as the sun comes along, which is supposed to be nourishing, which is supposed to be what it needs to grow, and is supposed to be what it needs to flourish, as soon as that comes along, it dies. When it's supposed to grow and flourish, it dies instead. Why is that? Well, let me read you this quote from Oliver B. Green and his, uh, his commentary on this. He had this to say, he said, This person is attentive, easily persuaded, and seemingly happy to accept the message. He seems eager, enthusiastic, and demonstrative. On the surface, this looks like a genuine conversion. But the soil was not there. It's often the case that superficial and transient religious impressions produce a speedier and more boisterous joy than those which are deep and genuine. It is riding a high, if you will. It's a quick springing up, burnout, and gone. One minute they're here, and it's like, oh man, look at that. Look how, this is going to be great. Look how excited they are. And in three weeks, you never see them again. The reason is because they got burnt. That's a term we like to use, isn't it? I got burned. So did this seed. The sun causes the seed to be scorched, but here's the the kicker. That's not the sun's fault. The sun's doing what it's doing for everything everywhere. The sun over there is giving that plant that is deep-rooted and truly converted exactly what it needs. But over here, because there's no root 
and there's no soil, and it's just a look of conversion, it's burnt up. It just couldn't handle it because it had never truly taken root. The very thing that was meant to help this person is what will eventually, as the Bible said, offend them. They're scorched, they're withered, and then they're gone. The sunlight might be reflected if you want to look for types in the Bible of sunlight. And just, just as a, a practical look at this, we know that the light of the world, the Word of God, is light, right? God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Jesus Christ, He's the light of the world. He's the Word of God. And we know that His Word is a light, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's His Word. The Word of God will absolutely offend someone who does not have a true conversion. The moment that their life comes into a head-on collision between what they want and what the Bible says, and there, there is no true conversion and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, it'll be just like we talked about this morning. The natural man cannot discern the things that are of the Spirit of God. The natural man can't make that decision. The natural man can't make that change. And before you know it, they're burned and gone by that light. It's the light that gets some of them. That light of the Word of God. That you need. Okay, you've been saved, that's great. It's just like Jesus told that woman... That, that had been caught in adultery. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It was when they hit that go and sin no more part, or that part where the Word of God starts to shine on their life and their body and the things they're doing and say, mm, you don't need to do that, that they come into a crossroads and say, you know what, I ain't so sure about this whole church and God and Christianity thing. If it's going to try and get into my business, then I'm not sure I want to be a part of it. That is something that, man, two weeks ago, whew, Burning hot as fire. But now you burn up. Maybe it's that light of the Word. Maybe it's that heat of persecution. The verses, as Jesus speaks on, He actually talks about people being persecuted for the sake of the Word. Amen. He said, They dureth for a while, but when tri for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word, by and by He is offended. Amen. That if you live as a Christian all in this life, who live and serve and follow after Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's just the way it is. You tell somebody you got saved, next thing you know, they start making fun of you, calling you a Bible thumper. I started going to this church. You ever heard of that? And then you bail. Uh, I mm -mm, no way. Couldn't take the heat. You know why they couldn't take the heat? Because they got scorched. You know why they got scorched? Because they had no water. The energy for growth, the word, the crucible of life, what's interesting about these things we're talking about is in a true Christian, persecution often brings better growth. Did you hear what I said? In the life and heart of a true Christian, persecution often leads to better growth. That's what Paul said. He said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. Persecution in the life of a true convert, will bring good growth. There's that song I love so much, my brother-in-law sings, I've sang it in this church a couple times, about he's always been faithful to me. That second verse said, I've never had a trial or a pain that he did not recycle to bring me gain. That the hard things we go through in life, that God will take those things and strengthen us. Amen? That's what it means to be a Christian who is rooted in God who is rooted in the truth. But when you just look and sound like one, it don't take much to burn up what little you've got going on. If there is no true conversion, 
then that son, that is so good and so powerful and so empowering and so nourishing, that Word of God that is such a boon and a help to that one will be the thing that pulls you out. Young person, young people, you find out, well, the Bible wants to talk to you about the way you live and all your friends at school do this and we do that and we do this. A true conversion will strengthen a young person. A true conversion, when they hear the Word of God, they will be emboldened, they'll go through it. I'm not saying you don't deal with temptation. We all deal with temptation. But you can overcome that. If you've got the Holy Ghost and you've been saved, you can overcome those things. Things like peer pressure and that heat of tribulation. And as Luke called it, temptation. Temptation. Oh boy. Talk about a fire. That's temptation. But you can overcome it. If you got those roots, then you are no longer under the dominion of sin. The problem is when, we, when they look and sound like it, but the moment resistance comes, or the heat comes, or the word comes, all that's left is a puff of smoke where they used to be standing. That is a stony ground seed. It's a counterfeit conversion. Let me give you the substance. We'll be done. If the sower is right, and the seed's right, and the sun is right, what causes the problem? Luke told us, these others have told us, it's a lack of moisture. It's a lack of moisture. There's no water. John 4.13, Jesus standing there, talking to that woman, asking about that well. He answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The plant needs to absorb plenty of water. In the natural world, a plant needs to absorb plenty of water in order to effectively take in the sunlight and convert it into energy. The reason people can't handle the Word of God and the reason some people can't handle the persecution of the saints, and the reason some people can't ever handle temptation is because they've got no water. They've got no moisture. Their roots are supposed to be down where the water is. You understand? And if there's no water where a plant's root is, it'll go deeper. It'll go that way. It'll go that way. Problem is there's a rock in the way here. There's no true conversion. This is not a soil that was ready for a conversion that God has drawn. This is a counterfeit, face value, quick conversion. Not a real one. And even though this person was able to take what you could call a small, superficial root through zeal, desire, the problem with their growth is that they were never truly saved. When tribulations arose because of the word, they were offended. They could not endure it. That's so what he said. He said, they endureth for a while, but not long. When tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he's offended. Quickly, he's gone. Without a true root in salvation, without a sincere second birth into the family of God, a person will be scorched by the sun because they have no access to the living water. Let me read you this quote from Oliver B. Green. We'll be done. He said this about this passage. He said, The person who seemingly accepted the Lord Jesus Christ through church membership, baptism, and even good works 
is rootless and therefore dries up. His profession withers. His church attendance drops off. His good works fade away, and people wonder what happened. The thing that happened is that the person was never genuinely born again. It's true that he heard the word. He, he, he received the word with joy, and he continues thus for a while, but by and by, he's offended. Everything about this person's profession is on the surface and unreal. A conversion that never takes root is not a conversion. Amen. Are you saying everybody who ever quit church is not really saved? No. No, there's a difference in being backslidden and being a counterfeit convert. Have y'all ever seen those that come in? They're here, and man, it's like a it's like an explosion. They're so excited. My dad told me this one time, and I remember when he told me I was a young man, there was someone who'd come to the church, and man, they were just, they really got plugged in. I mean, they'd been there for maybe two or three weeks and were already just, I mean, they're hollering amen louder than anybody. They're excited about everything that's going on. And I said something about it, and dad said, he said, you know, amen, it's, it's a blessing. He said, but I'll tell you this. He said, be careful about those who burn so bright up front because sometimes they burn out too quick. So are you telling me not to get excited? Lord, no. We ought to have, we could all use a little more zeal, myself included. But how many of y'all seen them? They're like a bottle rocket. They're loud and they're bright and then they're over. Jesus is saying here, they never had any roots. They weren't ready. They had a counterfeit conversion. And generally what you see with those people, they leave the church. They don't just, they don't, they don't go back to church. They, they abandon their, quote, conversion. Many of them come in, they have a short little stint, and it's great, and then one, thing's hap- one thing happens they don't like, they're gone. They're easily offended. Amen? So how should we apply this? Well, make sure you've got a real root in the Lord. Amen? That you are rooted down deep in God. And looking around here tonight, I mean, this is a Sunday night crowd. I'm looking around, we're faithful people, and I know y'all. And I'm not saying, I don't believe any of y'all have a counterfeit conversion. So you've at least got me fooled, amen? I'm just kidding. But, just because you're in here don't mean that this isn't for you. And you you better be sure. Well, I'll be fine. No, 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 no. You better be sure. There have been key moments in my life where I have come to a point of having to decide, am I sure of my salvation? I remember being a teenager. I'd already surrendered to preach, sitting in church, and Dad was preaching, I think. I think it was Dad. Somebody's preaching. And it was just a real convicting spirit. I remember I got up out of my pew in the church back then, and the youth sat over there, like a youth corner over on the side. The youth sat together. I walked all the way around the back and came up the side where my mama sat on this side, and I come up to her and I said, Mom, I think I'm lost. And she looked so annoyed. <laughs> if I could just be honest, you know. She's like, come on. You're not lost. You know, you're just, you, I've, seen, I've seen it. I've seen the fruit and you know, all these things. She's like, you, you need to go pray. You need to get it worked out. You're old enough now. You need to work this thing out. So I went to the altar. As soon as the invitation came, I went to the altar. And I got down. I said, God, am I saved? And I felt, like a, I felt like a clown. I did. And I know some people struggle with doubt, and it's a real thing. 
But it, uh, there have been a couple times in my life where the Lord is, where I, I felt, I don't know, maybe the Lord was trying to teach me something. I believe he was trying to teach me something. But I had to come to a point, and I had to, I had to be sure, secure. Have you done that? You secured it? I ain't trying to talk you out of salvation. You can't talk somebody who's saved out of being saved. But I'll tell you this, if the things we've described tonight you feel like are a description of you, you might ought to, you might ought to ask the Lord, Lord, I just want to make sure. I've got, a, I've got a sure conversion, right? The other thing is this. When we press people to make a quick conversion, we might be bypassing the fact that God gives the increase. We ought to give the gospel. We go give the gospel. I'll tell you what. I've, I've gone to people and give them a track or ask them if they'd ever been saved, and immediately the Holy Spirit get involved. You ever been there, Brother Tim? And they say, no, I, I don't know if I died today I'd go to heaven. How can I know that? And start telling them in tears. I know tears can be. But I mean, I've seen the Lord move. And oh, that seed had been there. That seed had already been there. And, and it done been watered. And here was the increase. But I've also seen those. You go to them, you talk to them. And there's nothing you could say in the world that could. I mean, they're dry desert land. That soil that's not ready. It needs the seed. It needs the water. But you can't give the increase. God does. Amen. So that's what we need to learn from this. And let's take it with us. And when you see someone and you think, Lord, that might be a counterfeit conversion, you better pray for them. Pray they get it right. Pray they nail it down. I've seen it happen during revival. Somebody come up and go to the altar and make a profession. Two or three days later, come back. Oh, I didn't get it right that first time, but I'm going to get it right this time. Sometimes that soul's just got to be ready. We don't, we don't need to get ahead of God. Amen? We need to take it to heart and remember, it's God that gives me. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. And we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.